I'm in recovery for um, pornography addiction, and it's my pleasure to be a part of this group and to reflect together on recovery and what that's like. And um, yeah, I'm happy this Wednesday to get the chance to share. So as kind of was said in the preamble, I am just getting over COVID. And so that's just part of introducing myself. If I need to blow my nose, that's why. Um, but also part of that is the last couple of days of being sick, I spent a lot of time reading. And I actually read this whole book, um, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Rings. <clears throat> and so that probably influenced the title that I said, this title is called Fellowship and Why We Need Each Other. So if you haven't read that book, I'm not going to recommend it as like a recovery resource. However, I will recommend it as one of the best books out there um, and best movies. I watched the movies long before I had the courage to read this chunky, chunky book. But um, I might refer to a few of the stories because I, uh, I really appreciated it this week. My company, my fellowship in a time of isolation. So, um, so this topic that I thought of, fellowship, um, as I was opening my book, I have transcribed into the, the front page through the, the BBA, had me start with writing a circle and a triangle within it, um, which is a great, if you haven't seen that illustration before, it's a really good one. Um, and it's, the symbol really highlights that um, we in addiction have a three-part problem and we need a three-part solution. Um, the triangle certainly has that three points. And when I, uh, when I saw that, I looked at the first one. Um, the first problem that I have is a pro problem of body where I have like a physical craving um, for something that is not going to solve my problem. It's actually just going to, it's going to try and solve it, but it's just going to make things worse. My body is in a state of problem um, and disconnection. And what I need actually to counter that, the solution to that is I actually need a unity to a fellowship or a, a body. And part of that part of the solution is the 12 traditions. I've got the question written under this part of body. Do you have a group that you are committed to? And so as I looked at just that part of the triangle, other parts highlight more, more parts of fellowship, like service, the part of my spirit needs the help of service to bring the message to other people that also brings me closer into recovery um but all of these things i was thinking man fellowship is pretty important recovery is something i can't do by myself and is not something that i can just will myself to get through or get into um i think i lived in that delusion for a long time because i had false beliefs that i started this problem and so i can end this problem and that was actually just prideful and the reality was I, I couldn't have the power to stop anything even if I wanted to which I, I didn't actually really want to but so before I talk more about fellowship I wanted to, to highlight that I realize in addiction my problem is of my own making it's centered in my lack of power and so the solution um to my, my addiction or to any addiction lies in surrendering my will and my life to the care of God and to serving other people. Um, so that's the core. Um, it's kind of like the skeleton. If you can picture like 
in a science classroom or something. You've got a skeleton and that's where everything hangs upon. So that's the core, but all the muscles that make the things work, I think that's the, uh, the fellowship and the, the group that we're a part of that helps all of those truths kind of hold together and have some strength. Um, and so that's, that's what brought me to this topic of thinking about fellowship. <clears throat> so I wanted to think on a few points, um, which is when do I need fellowship? And the big book is a story full of stories. And one of the first on page nine, there's a, it's in Bill's story. And it showed me really quickly that the fellowship in recovery is essential from like day zero. And I'm going to just read a bit. So the very bottom of page eight, um, here's Bill musing about when he's next going to act out or when he's next going to use. Um, and his amusing was interrupted by the telephone. The cheery voice of an old friend asked if he might come over and he was sober. It was years since I could remember his coming to New York in that condition. I was amazed. Of course, he would have dinner and then I could drink openly with him. Unmindful of his welfare, I thought only of recapturing the spirit of other days. And he said his coming was an oasis, the very thing, an oasis. Addicts or drinkers or whoever, insert your, your cause, your what's going on. They're like that. And uh, I thought that paragraph was kind of interesting that uh, this guy, Bill, is not at all looking for, for anyone. He's not on the hunt for someone to help him in fellowship. Um, but it just so happens that, you know, his paths cross, maybe that's chance, maybe that's God giving Bill a hand, or, or maybe it's his friend's journey of needing to help someone intersecting. That's really what it is, um, all of those things. But um, here he comes, not looking for, for help, but up comes a phone call and over comes a friend who's got a message to pass on. And this starts Bill's journey into recovery. Um, fellowship actually comes alongside him before he even realizes the problem or what what he needs help with. Um, and I thought that was kind of interesting because I had always thought like it's got to start with me. I, I have to go looking. I have to kick this journey off. Otherwise, it's not going to go anywhere unless I take my recovery by the horns. And there's some truth to that. Obviously, I have to be willing, but there's a deeper truth that there, there's something going on that's beyond me. Um, and that if I'm aware and open to what the universe, to what God is doing in my midst, then I start to see maybe in hindsight, um, those phone calls are actually God bringing fellowship and God bringing other people to me. And I just want to keep an openness to that because <clears throat> you never really know who's going to be the fellowship that's going to kick you off into your journey or help you help you onwards. Um, and this friend is a really good example of, of not, you know, coming, coming on strong or forcing things down Bill's throat. Because um, the next three pages are Bill kind of wrestling with it, like, oh, no, I don't believe in God, or I believe kind of in God, but not in that kind of God, a personal God. Um, things that we can all resonate with or can reflect on in our own stories. Um, later chapters spend the whole chapter thinking on that but for bill it comes to that um but his friend suggested on page 12 what then seemed like a novel idea um he said why don't you choose your own conception of god um 
And I can see that in this case, fellowship is not like a heavy handed, strong arm, like here it is, I'm going to stick it right to you and you better accept what I'm saying. Um, <clears throat> but the fellowship um, here has the big picture in mind that I'm here to help my friend. I'm here to help lead him one step farther. And I don't have to like slam him like a football on the touchdown line. Um, I just have to take him one step forward and trust that God is going to do the work. Um, so there's a humility in fellowship of knowing the big picture um, and not having to take it all the way there yourself. Um, why don't you choose your own conception of God? And I remember the first time I heard that, I was, uh, I was at a Jericho Road meeting at Jack Purcell um, that I guess I had been kind of invited to because I, I had alluded enough to someone that to, to the guy who was leading speaking at that group that I was kind of struggling with addiction in my life, but I hadn't yet, like I was like, Bill, I hadn't yet realized how much help I needed. And this person, Andy just said, why don't you come and kind of sit in? And so for a bunch of weeks, maybe months or years, I would come some Tuesdays and sit in. And uh, some old, older fellow there, um, and this was, I, I didn't even gather his name. This was the, one of the first meetings. He said that very thing to me, that he had to choose his own conception of God and then dream up, like, what kind of God do I need in my problem? And the guy listed, he's like, I needed someone strong. I needed a God who was understanding, who was gracious, who knew all the things about me, who would love me even when I was afraid. And all these attributes, the guy just like, kind of like painted. And then he said, and so I just imagined that God was real and that if that God was real, I would find him. And they said, and now look at me, like I'm here and I know God and I've met God. Um, and me not coming from recovery, I was kind of blown away. I was like, ah, oh, that's not, it's not how I heard God worked, but I'm really happy that uh, that happened for this guy. And I think I've come to realize God does work a lot more like that um, in kind of the, the mystery and looking for him. But um, I do remember, why don't you choose your own conception of God? Someone in real life told me that. And that didn't necessarily, wasn't the thing that I was struggling with, but it was um, a moment where I had fellowship with some guys that were very different stages in recovery, but their, uh, their stories were kind of helping me take my first steps. Um, so when does fellowship come into play? It can come into play right at day zero, before you even know you have a problem. Um, and then it'll stay in play all the way through step one to 11 and then step 12. Obviously, step 12 is pass on the message to other people and it's kind of forced on you. But fellowship is essential one to 11, even before you hit step 12. Um, <clears throat> there's another thought. I thought like, why? Like, so those are some when, but maybe why do we need fellowship? And essentially... I noted because it's just part of our rehabilitation. Um, and what I mean by that is um, when I looked, when I look honestly at my life, when I was trying to cope or manage or control addiction, I mean, my life, I was full of self. And so that makes me think of page 62. It describes it pretty well. Um, uh, this kind of first full paragraph says selfishness, self-centeredness, 
that we think or we believe is the root of our problems. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. Sometimes they hurt us seemingly without prov provocation, but we invariably find that at some time in the past, we have made decisions based on self, which placed us in a position to be hurt. Um, yeah, self will run riot. Um, and so when I kind of swallow that and think on it, um, then I start to realize, oh yeah, there were so many places where I uh, was in delusion and where I tried to pass blame or where I minimized things just to try and uh, carry on normally. Um, and what that did was it kind of snipped, it cut at trust and it undermined relationships and it caused, um, yeah, kind of like a two-facedness that is, you know, no real relationship or fellowship can can exist where there's kind of that two-facedness. You're like one way with some people at some times, but then like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde switches. Um, that's going to break bridges and cut people off. Um, and the longer we live in that, the poorer our relational circle is, right? The less strong the bonds are. I'm in the lesser because the less reliable I am to other people. <clears throat> and so fellowship in recovery is actually part of rehabilitation because all of those bridges that are pretty degraded on um, those relationships that are pretty frayed, they need to be rebuilt. Um, and I need the grace of other people to relearn having patience. Um, I actually need people around me, not just self. To consume me. I need to have people around me who I can um, extend trust to and relearn how to trust people um, and relearn how to have patience with people. Because um, in self-centered days, as soon as someone might have done something wrong, I could just in my mind switch off and say, like, okay, I'm done. Um, or give myself an excuse. Okay, I'm, I'm so done with this. I can't wait to have a break later or something like that. That's self-centered. But Fellowship gives me the grace to practice a different way of being that's not self-centered, it's, it's others focused. Because um, without these others, we stay just in self where we are. Um, so we need fellowship so that we can grow, um, but also it flows into, into helping other people. Um, if I start to have an other person focused, um, it makes me see people differently. Um, so we realized this page 67, that people who wronged us were perhaps spiritually sick themselves. And though we might not have liked it, um, we ask God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. When a person offended us, we said to ourselves, this is a sick person. How can I be helpful to him? God saved me from being angry thy will be done. Um, like that's a very, very different experience of relating to the world um, that someone who is in the midst of, you know, a self-centered addiction is not going to look at other people with that kind of eye. Um, but that's what we grow to as we, um, well, I guess is God kind of changes us from the inside out. Um, it's no, that's not a selfish perspective literally it's the opposite um seeing this is a sick person how can i be helpful to him god save me from being angry that i will be done 
that's those are pretty powerful words to uh to see only halfway through um the big book um, but i i'm seeing that fellowship helps me to grow into a, a healthy person with healthy the influence of healthy people around me and then i pass that on in the way that i see problem people they're no longer problem people they're people with problems who need help just like i need help and, um, <clears throat> yeah i mean i was going to share this story earlier but then i shared the jericho one in my notes says share the jericho one now but a story that still fits is early for me in my recovery um this is a little bit after going to those jericho re meetings and then realizing ah, i'm a couple of years into this and I'm not really making any progress in my recovery. I need a little bit more guidance than just sitting in a meeting. I needed uh, some more help. And I ended up being in the backyard of a fine fellow in this group. And we were just kicking a ball um, and talking. And I brought up, because I knew, I'm like, oh, I've heard you speak at UCC, at Union City Church. And you're alluding to you know, your, your background in recovery. and trying to be very smooth and like small and saying like, I kind of have a problem too. And then with a big smile, Josh says, ah, you're a porn guy too. And then I just shriveled inside and I was like, ah, maybe. And I, um, I recalled like, well, I can recall just like being so embarrassed and like, Shh, don't say that so loud. Like the birds will hear you or something. And then they'll tell everyone and my life will be ruined um, as fear is, you know, fear will tell you things like that. <laughs> um, but the helpful thing was that in getting that into the air, um, that was a point of fellowship that was able to continue and, you know, started putting like one step at a time into Life Lab, into, into the Big Book Awakening, into service to others. Um, so it's part of rehabilitation that we actually need fellowship. Um, and maybe a how. Um, well, I kind of also already mentioned that the fellowship of the big book is step one to 11. You gotta, you gotta have other people who are coaching you through one to 11. Um, and then by the time you get to that point and someone has helped you in fellowship the whole the whole method of the big book is that you hit 12 and the point is to pass it on um the point is not to then check out and say okay i did it and now i'm free because the big book tells us it's a daily respite um and not like uh you get your ticket and you become you've metamorphized into a butterfly now you fly away from all your problems it's not that it's that you you stay on the journey um and you take someone else through and that that keeps us grounded um so the how is fellowshipping having someone i guess leading you through and then having someone behind you that you're leading through and it can also happen at the same time it's probably essential that you've always got someone kind of above you and someone below you if you're thinking about rock climbing or something there's often lines that connect multiple people um and it's important to keep the true solution in mind that it's the power of god in the midst of a fellowship that brings healing and power and it's not the fellowship itself 
Um, it's not the power of people that help people. It's the power of God that helps people. Um, and if we lose track of that, the risk is very quickly to overcommit and overextend or put expectations on ourselves that are not something that we can manage. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, I actually, I thought there was a really cute back and forth in this here book that I thought I would read because I think it's not always like as clear as just like over committing isn't just simple like, oh yeah, I was over committing there. No, it's usually like very hard to piece like how much should I be committing? And sometimes there requires a back and forth. Um, and so this is a really, probably one of my last points. It's a really fun encounter where the fellowship of the ring is getting ready to set out onto this quest. You, know, you can read yourself in and think of like a recovery or something. Um, but they're setting off into what will be very challenging. And the wisest kind of person who's setting them off, um, he says, um, it'll get the further in you go, the harder it will be to withdraw. Yet no oath or bond is laid on you to go further than you will. For you do not yet know the strength of your hearts and you cannot foresee what each may meet upon the road. And then one person who just really wants to like commit all the way, he's ready. I would say he risks having a codependent tendency, but this character says, faithless is he that says farewell when the road darkens. So it's very dramatic. <laughs> and he's like, no, I'm never gonna say no. Like, or, I'm always gonna stick to this. And then the wise character Elrond says, maybe, but let him not vow to walk in the dark who has not seen the night, the nightfall. Okay, so this guy says, you don't even know what's coming. So don't say you'll never turn back. Like, that's not wise and not necessary. But the stubborn character says, yet a sworn word may strengthen a quaking heart. Like, no, I just got to commit all the way. I got to put all my eggs in this basket. And he says, or a sworn word, word will break it. what a fellowship should offer and not try and just instantly overcommit himself to the highest level. And I thought that was interesting that it's not always as quick and easy as knowing here's the line. Perfect. I'll always stay within it. Um, this character nails like four different efforts at hitting the right line. And the wise person just says, remember what you need to commit to is just to help. It's not to like sign on the dotted line like to commit everything it's just to help guide the person to the higher power and i think that's maybe my last point about reflection on fellowship is we are to just remember that we help each other get to the higher power and we don't need to commit anything more and that can start with helping someone at day zero when they don't even know they've got a problem and we offer fellowship there or it can be all the way through all the steps until someone might be at step 12 and they need to find like someone who is actively seeking a mentor um, and fellowship is just as necessary at every point along the way. Um, and I would, without wanting to make the recovery path any more dramatic, I would say it's good to remember with some good fantasy books that quests are something that can inspire us 
and you, you don't have to look for the most dramatic moments, but sometimes it's helpful to remember that um, life is a um, significant and kind of life and death in a certain sense. And so it helps us take things seriously. And remember that my noon hour recovery call talk is, is more important than just, you know, it's not cotton candy. It's actually something that, that is serious in my life and recovery. Um, and helping people in fellowship is a life and death for me and also for other people in, in recovery. So thanks for letting me share.